This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of High Jinx with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, I am in my dressing room in Toronto, Canada. I'm on tour with Everything at Stake. We've um, been showing the show. We've been. I don't. I don't. I started an S sound, like I. Like I knew what I was going to say. We've been showing the show. It's been going great. You can still get your tickets at jinxmonsoon.com. We've got Toronto, then Montreal, then a couple more stops in Canada, and then we embark through the U.S. So um, I'll see you when we tear through your town. But today on Hijinks, oh my gosh, this episode, so much fun. We have just a really prolific, wonderful writer, director, producer, Justin Simeon. He um, created Dear White People. He directed Haunted Mansion, which is in theaters either now or it's about to come out whenever this is airing. The point is, he is such an incredible incredible filmmaker and he's going to talk about his process why he creates the work that he does and his experiences in hollywood as a black queer man so let's sink our teeth into some brand new hijinks and don't forget to buckle up and hunker down while you're at it (laughs) it's hijinks here we go m oh I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, we are joined by writer, director, and producer, Justin Simeon. Hi, Justin. Hi, Jinx. Did I did I pronounce your last name correctly? I think so. I I wasn't you think really so? I wasn't really <laughs> I wasn't like really paying attention. I this is so surreal for me to be talking to you. To oh be. hush. I'm, I'm I'm not wearing serious. a stitch of makeup. <laughs> and yet and yet you're gorgeous and you are everything I hoped you would be. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um my listeners will know you for a lot of different things. Yes. Um, you, maybe. <laughs> um, to list a few, uh, Dear White People, both the, the film and the series, um, uh, Bad Hair, and uh, you're directing Haunted Mansion. You directed a Haunted Mansion. So then you just took a skip and a hop over to Disney. (laughs) You know, it's kind of what we're, is what you got to do these days. (laughs) (laughs) I was sort of like at the end of when I finished bad hair and we finished your white people, it was like the (laughs) pandemic and it was like the George Floyd protests. And it was like, Oh my God. Like I just, I want, I want to um, 
escape my own sort of world. <laughs> I, want to, I want to make something big and fun and yeah. meaningful and all that and artistic. Yeah, and yeah, yada, yeah. yeah. But I also just like I wanted to um, kind of flex that muscle. I think I just wanted to go to Disneyland. I think I just needed a vacation. <laughs> I think that's why I actually took the job. <laughs> and and it sounds like I mean, like you totally earned the vacation. But before we get into things you've directed, I want to yes. start with something that's in my quick facts. Uh, and it says that before directing, you were working in publicity mm -hmm. and you worked on Brokeback Mountain. You I worked did. on the publicity for Broke Brokeback Mountain. Yes. And so I just, oh my God, I need to talk to you about so yes. many things. Let's do it. I'm a lot so. older than I look. So <laughs> that's how that's possible. So Brokeback Mountain was i mean it you know it sent shock waves it it, it 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 was a phenomenon in its time it was two leading men straight men hunks hollywood hunks you know in mm -hmm. the prime of their career but fucking in the mountains <laughs> getting nominated for oscars all of it <laughs> <laughs> totally. Now there's a lot to unpack there about uh, <laughs> I, I could go on an Oscars rant about uh, straight actors playing queer roles for Oscars and blah blah blah. But we're not going to do that right now. We're going to talk about what was it like selling a, sh a movie about pruning the rosebuds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that what he says? I didn't pay you to go up there to prune the rosebuds. <laughs> oh, that is what he said. <laughs> that is what he said. Isn't that great? Um, anyway. Oh, my God. Uh, what was it like selling a movie about pruning the rosebuds mm -hmm. to um, an American audience at that time? Well, obviously, when that movie was released, I was about two or three years old. So I was really young and I was kind of working <laughs> off of my instincts. But I was yeah. also like I was literally brand new to the company. It was like yeah. I was fresh out of film school. I might have still even been in my senior year. And um, I honestly, when I first saw it, like I was like, OK. I, I don't know. I by that time in my homosexual upbringing and coming out, I wasn't that. I wasn't. The shockwaves did not get sent through me. I thought this oh, was a. Sure. I thought this was a beautiful film, and I was like, "Good luck." I mean, what year was that? <laughs> it was like Bush was an. I, I was just like, "Good luck." <laughs> I didn't. You know, it was actually like a, a revelation to me to see how. Uh, focus features, particularly my boss, Adrian Bowles. She was a black woman, awesome woman, gave me my first job. Uh, she was the head of publicity at that time at Focus. And to see how they took this little movie, and it was little, and, 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 and it was like nobody was expecting it to be this like runaway hit. And they kind of made it a runaway hit by the way they screened it, who they screened it for. And it was like kind of a light bulb in my head because... I, I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was a kid and I, I've known I'm, I'm a homosexual and wanted and specifically wanted to make weird shit since, you know, uh, for a long time. But I was a baby in the industry and I was like, nobody wants to see the kind of movies I want to make. Like nobody's interested in that. I can't really put myself in my stuff. That was just my assumption. And then when I saw what they were able to do with Brokeback, which is a movie that I liked, but I had no expectation of. And they took it all the way to the Oscars. Um, a light bulb really went off in my head of like, oh my God, the story about the story you're telling is actually like really, really important. It's actually like kind of make or break, especially for the kind of movies I knew that I would want to be making uh, for the rest of my life. And so I, I, I remember uh, in the, in the you know, when it lost to freaking Crash, which is a whole other thing. Um, I was like, I, I didn't feel the. I was like really empowered, but I went and wrote like the gayest script I've ever written. It still has not been made <laughs> to this day, but I wrote it and I felt like, you know, there's a world in which I can say these things and talk about these things. Um, so I don't know. It, it, I, I can't really take a lot of credit for its success, but I, I got to, I got a front row view and how that happened. And it was, it was yeah. pretty magical. I got to say it was so, like, yeah. Well, I just um, some of the things that you talked about just then, 
um, I want to ask you about and how it correlates to work you then went on to do. Um, because you mentioned like the shock waves didn't hit you. Yeah. Broke back. And I feel the same way. Like I was like, you're going to need a lot more spit than that. Yeah. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was like a little bit more like concerned with the mechanics, you know? And then I was also like, what they they fuck once every ten years. I, I know. Like, no. um, anyway, so it. But I think it's very important um, to know when something is like queer for a queer audience or queer for a straight audience. Yes, I think Drag Race is one of those things that's. It's for everyone, you know, but some things are queer for queer and some things are queer for straight. And we need both. We need the We need the queer content for straight people, which educates them so that they don't come to us with their stupid questions. Yes, yes, yes. And I want to ask, like, um, so the idea, uh, uh, like, I have to imagine that that's kind of the mentality behind a film like Dear White People, um, just like with the title alone. It's well, kind of like, saying, I was, hello, could you um, take was, a moment and watch this? <laughs> and, and the crazy thing is, I was really, do, I was doing a lot in the, I'm in these streets, and I, I tend to be. Um, but like, particularly with Dear White, Dear White People is for black people, but it's called, <laughs> but it's called Dear White people because i i don't know i think i was i was in a very trolley kind of space <laughs> and well, and i also felt like what what i was trying to say at the time is like i felt like especially as a black person in a very white industry having gone to a very white um college experience uh <laughs> I was like, I feel like black people, we are, and I feel this about being queer too. It's like to be ambitious and to try and make it in America, whatever that means at that time, you sort of become this kind of like, you you always oriented towards other people. You're always oriented Mm, towards mm -hmm. explaining yourself. It's like, you can't Mm -hmm. go to the fictional school of Winchester University without addressing white people about Mm -hmm. who you are, what you are. And, and, and so much of that was so much of that movie for me and the the series is about like, who would I have been if explaining to white people and straight people what and who I am didn't require so much energy of my time. Like, you know, like that really is what it's about. And the title, you know, when I first, when I first started writing it, I called it 2% because it was 2% of the population of that school is black. And that was very similar to the school Mm -hmm. I went to. And, you know, movies with like number titles, they don't really pop. And (laughs) I started, uh, I started a Twitter account called Dear White People because Sam uh, mm-hmm. had the, had the show, the fictional show in the movie called Dear White People. And I was like, oh, this is the title because it's it's provoking <laughs> the literal reaction that I'm talking about. White people are clutching their pearls or they're like super into it, which was <laughs> its own phenomenon. And it was like provoking those kinds of comments. Like, you know, at the top of it, you'd be like, we don't need something like this. Racism's over. And then mm-hmm. the next one would be like, you know, and where go back to Africa? It was like, oh, okay, so we're in the nineteen twenties yeah. still. Well, <laughs> you know, it is incredible. I mean, like for the wrong reasons, but it's the bad <laughs> kind of incredible. <laughs> you know, like through the pandemic, um, through uh, Trump's reign, <laughs> um, <laughs> just the way people have outed themselves as racists and bigots and homophobes and transphobes and misogynists and stuff. And it's like, it's been very confronting, like, oh my God, just how many people are still in that mindset. But then it's like, I'm thinking, am I only like clutching my pearls? I can't believe there's so many people still like that, but like, other people have always known there's so many people still like that. And it makes me kind of think, I talk a lot about this. There was a time 
in the late 90s, early 2000s. And that's why I think media from this time is not, it doesn't hold up. You know, mm-hmm. Friends Friends doesn't hold up. 30 Rock, very, very funny. But a lot of it you watch and you're like, ooh. Yeah. It's this mentality that I think white liberals had at that time. Where, <laughs> like you said, yeah, where you said, um, you know, we don't need this racism's over. Um, that was the mentality at that time, late 90s, yes. early 2000s. The reason why that content m- makes these jokes is because the writers thought we're post racial. We're all obviously, obviously, we're on the right side of the fight so we can poke fun at it. And I, you know, I just look at media from that time and I think white people don't get to decide when we're post-racial. <laughs> Correct. And, and I remember feeling, I mean, I, I was feeling, I didn't, we, didn't, we weren't talking, we weren't using the word gaslit all the time, mm-hmm. but that's what I was feeling. I was like, oh, Obama's president and I'm still absolutely feeling and experiencing racism. And whenever yeah. I bring it up, it is as if I dropped a, a freaking atomic bomb in the room, but I'm the one that's being uh, affected by this. And it was this weird, it was this, yeah, the, Torre wrote a book called Who's Afraid of Post-Racial America that was really influential in uh, in my making of Dear White People because so much of that experience was like, I needed someone to verify that I wasn't crazy because I was just having a fundamentally different experience and everyone around me was telling me I was supposed to be having and it it became a part of my like mission as a filmmaker it's like I want especially black folks and brown folks and queer folks when they see my work I I want you to have a sense of like okay somebody validated that feeling somebody said it too you know Mm -hmm. uh and so much of dear white people is about trying to create those moments uh, for folks because I needed them. They're so powerful for me when yeah. I experience them, you know, in, in a story. Uh, stuff that I just don't even imagine would be a part of a story when I get to see it. it it's so exciting, especially if it's really dirty and queer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I've been finding that, like, you. I, I've been... <laughs> I keep quoting this stupid, it's not stupid. It was a lovely article, but it was, it's stupid that I keep quoting it, but it was a, it was a review of my comedy special. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it's stupid that I keep quoting it. But she said what, what, what worked about the comedy is that I wasn't concerned too much about whether you find it funny. I'm going to tell you what I find funny. And then you're going to laugh at me getting a kick out of me telling you what I find funny. You know, it was uh-huh. kind of like because the humor was authentic, it was funny whether you knew the references or not, which is what I always strive to be as a drag performer who's constantly referential right you know you gotta hope that if they don't get the reference they're still gonna laugh because it was just well done and i just think i lost my point but (laughs) you're talking about authenticity and how that gets that's what like if Mm. you stay true to your authentic story that thing that you're talking about that you don't know how it's going to resonate with someone else until you share that, share that with the world. And it's scary sometimes. Cause it's like, you got to admit that you're having those thoughts to find it's, other people who have those thoughts, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, 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 first of all, I need to tell you something. You're a fucking genius. You're a oh, genius. I don't give a shit. I don't care. We're doing this. You're a genius and you're all star season. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm still t- I'm still talking about Judy Garland. I'm still talking about um snorting coke off of Evie Oddly's dick. These are things <laughs> that I reference in my day-to-day life. And you actually are a perfect embodiment of that thing that we're talking about. You brought it up. Listen, you brought up your own review, so I'm gonna just add to it. <laughs> because you do, you do that so well. Um, and it's like it's kind of like a magic trick, actually, when you when you sort of um encounter someone that can be so authentically themselves, but in a presentational setting that lets other people in. Like that's a weird thing that you do. like, that's not a normal well, it- you know what I'm saying, and it's amazing. (laughs) It comes kind of from like, 
Well, okay. So let's talk about like, um, well, so I'm trying to relate Evie Oddly's penis. <laughs> Evie Oddly's penis best. Let's talk to about that. Work. Oh, I'm sorry. We're promoting a family film. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. People know what kind of podcast this is. <laughs> Good. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Authenticity, I think, is something that audiences are really, really craving, especially right now. Because... I mean, I keep saying it's because we're being lied to in every other avenue, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I don't even know how to get news anymore. Like, that's Absolutely. where I'm at right now. I don't even yeah. know, like, until uh, until a human being that I trust tells me something has happened in, in, yes. in, in physical space, I'm still not convinced, <laughs> like, anything. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um. So authenticity is something that I think is really winning out right now. Um, and I, 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 for me, I took like dear white people as like a, uh, like I said, like a, a flag, like, hello, this is something you should, you should probably <laughs> get hip to. Um, uh, when I think of like, uh, just like the way we're inundated with certain things, like the way I know so much about Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> but I didn't know about Juneteenth until Blackish did an episode about it. You know, and I consider I consider Woo! myself pretty well versed, you know, on a lot of different topics. Yes. Um yes. I know I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not the most ignorant person. Yes. But I did not know about Juneteenth until Blackish. And that's why I love the show Blackish because it's like, it's what we're talking about. It's like, it, I think it's for everyone, but like, it also like says, hey, white people watching this, yes, <laughs> pay yes. attention to this moment, you know? Yes, 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 yes. Well, it's funny. It's intentional, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm a history head. I think. You know, you can really feel that in Dear White People because we're always talking about the past. And, um, you know, uh, right now I'm actually working on a on a documentary series about, um, like, Black film, Black uh, filmmakers throughout history. And you don't... So much of the reality of what sort of propels our culture, it's so purposely covered up. There are... I mean, I think you can... You, you already talked about this in terms of, like, queerness. It's like... Before Brokeback Mountain, how many gay cowboy movies were there? There were a lot. <laughs> it was like a whole thing. It was like a trope for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, there's all of this queer. And I, I, I fuck it. I'm gonna include black in this, especially because there was a time when black and queer were sort of in the same category. And mm-hmm. it's like you know, there's all of this expression that comes from these communities that is then kind of like siphoned up and out of those communities and sort of run through the entertainment matrix. You know what I mean? And by the time it comes out the other end, we're no longer really involved. You talk about Brokeback, like the Negro problem film has been, a th- <laughs> it's still a thing. Like it, we're still making movies like The Help where we are absolutely, mm-hmm. the, the market is white people, 100%. Mm-hmm. But that's like the only opportunity that, uh, you know, black, folks can come in there and like tell their story and do something and we have to embrace it because it's all we got you know what I mean it's sort of um it's it's wild that the system is built that way and 
what I love about what you do and what inspires me about it is you're breaking the, you're Trojan horsing the system. <laughs> There's something very, so like people are like, we know who Judy Garland is. We know, like, you know, we know Chicago. We know, we know sort of like, we understand the box that you're playing in, but you're doing something inside that box that's incredibly subversive and irreverent. Wow. And I always, and, 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 let, and let me tell you this as well, uh, Jinx. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I the, love it. The, the real tea about Dear White People is that, yes, we are embracing this post, uh, supposedly post-racial Obama conversation about race and da 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 My real goal, however, because I was not able to do this in any other fashion, and I still find it very difficult, was to bring a queer character uh, front and center in a Black sort of mm -hmm. political narrative. And Lionel is a Trojan horse 100%. Lionel is me. I know it is not the most explicit. I was going to ask at some point. <laughs> I, I Like, it's not explicit, but I did kind of feel watching it that a lot, especially, you know, through narration and stuff, I, I felt a lot of it was autobiographical, you know, like, um, <laughs> or at least self-referential. And... I felt like, you know, it was like, yeah, you sharing your experience through a story. And that's like exactly what drag queens do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's what I it's what I think queer people do well. Um, I queer people, whether you're a queen or a performer, we all know how to hold court. You know, like <laughs> we, we all <laughs> we all naturally know how to hold court. So when you know how to like take that court holding skill and um, synthesize it into something else, yeah, it could create really good work. <laughs> we also we we also know how to wear a bunch of different masks for mm -hmm. survival, and there's something empowering, at least for me, about taking the mask and turning it on itself and sort of embracing it on purpose. Like, yeah, this yeah. is totally a just black, political, funny comedy, but actually, isn't it a gay love story? And actually, isn't it a gay coming of age story? I I, I do, and I think people get mad at me for that, because, but I do like that. I love doing that. We, no, I, I, that I, that I, hair is, is, is totally camp. It, we are totally fucking with, you know, uh, gender norms and we're doing it in a black context, which to me, needs to be done more. <laughs> That's why I get I get excited about these things. You called it a Trojan horse. I called it, um, when I was doing Chicago, and I also saw um, Take Me Out, um, I was saying, we have things to lure people in. Like with <laughs> Chicago, it was like, come see the drag queen in the longest running Broadway yes. musical, you know? And then when you were in there, you realized like, like drag queen, whatever, I'm just an actor playing the role and the show was really, really fantastic. And it's one yes. of those shows since it's been running for a long time when the cast is really gelling, the show's just fucking on fire. And yes. we had a really great run. Take Me Out was like, it lured people in. And I would say it lured mostly the trademark gays in, you know, because right. it was full frontal male nudity and and Jesse Owens, like, oh. <laughs> fully nude. I saw the show. Well, uh, uh, it was, you know, it was exactly what you want out of a full <laughs> you, So you loved it. It was perfect. I loved it. Okay, but great. the thing is, is like the penis lured you in. <laughs> oh. But once you're that, there and you're sat in the seat, it was a There's, beautiful show. And it was a beautiful show on. that had so little to do with penises, you know? <laughs> and, and because Jesse Owens was playing his role, and it, it, it had extra significance, you know? They were able to layer so much into it. Jesse Tyler Ferguson was incredible in his role. So I think, you know, and because it's entertainment, you know, mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. just, it's not a Ted talk. It's, I mean, you know, it's not an article, it's entertainment. Yes. We do have this responsibility of what's going to lure them in or, or in your words, the Trojan horse, what's going to get them to let me in. Yes. Let me, <laughs> let me in. It's just a little horse. Let me in. <laughs> and then once you're in or once you've got them, then you're like, Ba bam here's all the other stuff you weren't expecting. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, don't be surprised when you come to a Justice in your production and the title is just the beginning of what the thing's about. Because I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it to you every time. I'm doing it to you with Haunted Mansion. I am. It's it's a little, it's a little sub, more subtle because we are dealing with a lot of Munty and we are dealing with a lot of big old corporation and a beloved ride and all that. But at the end of the day, like I, I said yes to that movie because I'm like, okay. One, this takes place in New Orleans, and I'm not doing it unless I can cast a black lead, period. And mm -hmm. two, this is a movie that rests upon, at least in my imagination, this is before I got the movie, in my imagination, this is resting upon a black lead male that has to feel his feelings. This is actually a movie about, like, feeling your feelings. And it is encased in this thrill ride, you know, CGI, fun sets and special. It's got a lot of that stuff which I love because I'm an entertainer and I'm a carny at the end of the day. And I love like thrilling <laughs> audience, but I get you there because I want you to pay attention to this whole other thing, which is like straight men. Y'all need to start feeling y'all's motherfucking feelings. Okay. Because you're destroying the country. It's, it's <laughs> not that oh. we go, not that we go all the way there in, in Disney's on adventure, but I'm just <laughs> saying, it's like, you know, for me, there's gotta be a weenie inside. There's gotta be like a, <laughs> A thing. <laughs> you gotta wrap the pill in cheese. Exactly. <laughs> there's, got, there's, there's something in there that I want audiences to like take away that if they knew, you know, ahead of time, maybe yeah. they wouldn't be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like um, I I watched uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro's. Uh, yes, the way you Pinocchio. said Pinocchio. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pinocchio. And I was like, this is the Pinocchio story, but it's a movie about don't be, uh, don't let toxic masculinity ruin your relationship with your family. Right, <laughs> right. Like this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. First, I want to talk about um, so. Disney. Now, Never heard of it. <laughs> Disney. Um, I would say not, you know, it, Disney has always tried its best to lead the charge, you know, through the years of like, you know, uh, many different stories, looking into different cultures, but it's always been voiced by white people. <laughs> so that's its own thing. But now yeah. Disney is, is is in its new era where it's like fucking not letting the parents, the conservative zealots push it around. And now <laughs> it's like... And 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 now it's like you know what we're gonna double down for every like for every conservative parent that complains about a queer character, there's gonna be two more queer queer actors, two more queer characters, and they're both gonna be POC. There you go. <laughs> you know, like, um, so what a time to like join Disney, right? Like, <laughs> how do you feel about all of that? <laughs> oh, I feel a lot of complicated things about it. I mean, yeah. I, I do. I really do. Cause the thing is like, Disney is not a person. It is this, <laughs> it, it is this gigantic sprawling. No, it's a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> corporate entity. You know what I mean? And I think it, I think like, they have to cater to their primary audience. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, let's just keep it completely 100% real. Yeah. Disney has always run on homosexual energy. It's I'm so, so clear. It's so sorry. obvious. Thank like, you. Thank you. Oh, my I, God. Thank you. <laughs> why are we acting like, why are we, like, do we understand that the reason why we're even talking about The Little Mermaid <laughs> at all is because of Howard Ashman, Okay homosexual that basically taught all of the white suits in Hollywood how to do a musical the right way. Yeah. This is why we have that legacy. You know, I'm yeah. Snow White? 
ma'am. <laughs> Every villain, all of the villains, from the original Snow White. Oh my God! A present to Scar, day. to Scar, to present Honey. day. Honey. Yes, yes. There's Scar. so much. There's so much queer coding in Hades. <laughs> Hades, Hades and Hercules, y'all. Oh my God, Hercules. Hercules, okay. full stop. So first of all, I do it. I do like a ten-minute monologue on how uh, uh, on why Disney is responsible for me having a foot fetish because of uh-huh. Gaston and oh. Beauty and the Beast. But that's Beauty just and the Beast what, describes my entire dating history. <laughs> the entirety it, of it. It um. It, it just, I'm I'm so glad that you see it too. And I know lots of people see it. But the queer coding, yes. I mean, like Ursula, the sea Ursula. witch, all of the villains. Even, like, the male villains are always fops. They're always dandies. Listen. It's like, because, it's because there's a queer aesthetic buried deep inside the veins mm. of, of Disney. It is. And, and, um... So yeah, that's why the the villains are all fabulous. Like they're fabulous. they're evil. We hate them, but we love them. That's why we dress up as them on Halloween. The that's priest why I- <laughs> and hunchback of Notre Dame. I I couldn't believe it when he wanted to marry Esmeralda because that man was neither gay. could she neither <laughs> could she honey that was not a that was a marriage of power and convenience okay because he wanted the prettiest beard in all the land honey um. and I wanted him to have it to be I shouldn't have been rooting for him but I wanted him to have it that song Hellfire oh my God oh yeah Mm-mm. it's camp but don't be afraid Middle America to take your children to Disney's honey. <laughs> I know. I want to ask about this cast. So, okay. So, of course, I'm just going to be real. The two names that jump out at me at the most yes. are Tiffany Haddish and uh, Danny DeVito. Uh, Danny DeVito, because he's been, I mean, like any any child, any person in their 30s in America grew up with Danny DeVito. Yes. You know? Yes. Like he he's been in our lives Hercules, uh, Matilda. He's always been there. And then he was there as an adult because I watched It's Always Sunny for a long time. Danny DeVito, you know, like, what's he like to work with? (laughs) He is everything you want him to be. He is, first of all, he is wonderful, wonderful. He is so wonderful to work with as an actor. But he's also a director. Like, he's a really brilliant director. And so Danny- He directed Matilda. He sure did. The hell out of it. And he, (laughs) he, he would sit around- you know, when he wasn't on camera and just kind of hang out and talk and just, <laughs> just the realest, most grounded dude. Um, he was, he was a, he was a joy. Like he was exactly what you wanted him to be. Very self-aware, um, very funny, <laughs> uh, very straightforward, you know? Uh, and, and I'm not kind of, I'm a straightforward guy. I don't, the Hollywood thing where you have to like sort of interpret what someone is saying because it's uh-huh. very bad. But Danny doesn't do that. Danny just comes right. It's like, I, I'm, you know, I remember, I, God, what did I, I was like, Danny, do you, you should come do Family Feud with us. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just, he's just like a very, I don't know, I, I loved him. Tiffany is the same way. Tiffany is crazy in the best ways. She always has um, the most remarkable stories. And the thing about her that I thought was really profound is even in the takes where like she maybe flubs a line or something or, you know, something goes wrong or whatever, you never don't believe her on camera. You always believe her, you know? It's a a startling quality uh, (laughs) for someone to have to be in like, cause she's playing like this medium. So she's in this regalia, honey. Uh She's got context. I mean, she just doesn't look like a human. She looks like a drag queen in parts of the movie, but you completely 1000% buy into her reality. And, I don't know. These people really became, they became like family to me, which I know is like a thing people say, but I, I really mean it. And and I, I love actors. I, I sort of learned how to direct in a, in a theater uh, setting and a theater background. And it just felt like, oh, wow, we have an opportunity, even though this is a Disney movie and it's big and it's all these things, there's these expectations on it. We're actually going to like find performances and we're going to like create characters yeah. here. And we're actually going to like do the work. And and I and I got a cast that really appreciated that approach. It's 
it's I just lo- have loved absolutely everything I've heard because you know like it's the silly thing of like well we saw what pirates of the caribbean became yes you know but i remember the fr- we were all like they're going to make a movie out of a ride you know <laughs> like yes yes and, and but they did and it was huge and haunted mansion um it sounds like you first of all i love the story of you taking this job to like have some fun it's it's like you've done really really important work as a queer person of color you have not you have not shied away from the call to use (laughs) your voice for the embitterment of the world um and now you're having fun and and then it's like um and then you still like found a way you you uh, it's a black led cast yes and and like you were explaining you you have heart to it you have message in there and then it's also entertaining and it sounds like it was a really rewarding experience so who well, the, who let knew? me say so the vacation never came I, let me just let's be real clear okay <laughs> my mind was like oh Disneyland that's not what ha- that is not what happened okay. The the other thing I want to say, I was just like you. I got this script, right? Mm-hmm. And I just like, you should really read it. And I was like, what is, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. And I started reading it at like 11.30 because I was like, I'm going to pass on this. I'm not, that's not going to be my next movie. Because, <laughs> and, and, you know, whatever. I No yeah. disrespect to the previous incarnation. It, it didn't feel like a Justice in Me in picture. Yeah. And I opened this script written by Katie Dippel, who's awesome screenwriter. Um, And I was up all night literally laughing and crying. It was such a weird specific way into a ride movie that yeah. I was like I just want this job so that I can make sure the script is protected because it's brilliant it, and I and I couldn't believe it you know and and I was like I know how to make this movie and I uh, we we have to like stay in this framework <laughs> because like it is so unexpected it's just unexpected and I'm a shady jaded person and I'm up all night laughing and crying at the script <laughs> I got to make this movie I mean, that's how it happened for me. You said <laughs> there was something... no vacation. <laughs> well, I, None. you seem like a workaholic. No, um, no. I'm but... not. I am not. Please <laughs> let me off the carousel. I want to sleep. No. <laughs> okay. Um, you said something earlier that made me think about this, but um, and then you just said it again. You um, you wanted to protect the film. Um, I I definitely I love those moments where it's kind of like I can't remember I had it recently where it was like am I really going to put myself through the stress <laughs> and the hassle of you know like cramming this into my schedule and throwing off this schedule and like giving up my off days and then I said Yes, because I can't let anyone else do this. I have to be right. the one to do this because I know exactly how to do it and I know exactly what I'm going to say and I know exactly how it's going to work. And, um, you know, yeah, sometimes you just have to answer the call. That, that, that was the moment. <laughs> honest to God, that was the moment. I'm like, I, I, know exa- I know exactly how to make this movie. I know how to do it. This is so good. And I can tell what might happen if if someone like me didn't do it um and and i wanted it i wanted it for that reason you know i wanted to bring this vision to the screen i really did that is so awesome to hear yeah and 14 years later it's it's here (laughs) (laughs) justin I have compulsory questions Do it. that I ask every guest. But first, um, please tell my listeners, um, we've talked about some of your work. Where can they find you online? Where do you want them to go looking for more stuff related to Justin? Well, obviously, Justin the Simeon. most important thing I ever did was I am, appeared as a guest judge of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. <laughs> um, so definitely look at that, because I was also <laughs> really cute in that. Um, and yeah, you can find Dear White People on Netflix. You can find my second film, uh, Bad Hair, on Hulu. And you can find Disney's Honey Mansion in theaters, honey, July 28. <laughs> okay. And if you just type in my name, Justin Simmons, you can find me. I'm on the Instagram. Yeah. 
Culture Machine is my production company. It's all Google-able. It's all Google-y. It's all, I'm, the, I'm the black one that shows it. It's, you'll, you'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my compulsory questions, I ask, them, I ask every guest, feel free to answer them however you feel. Oh, my. First question, who is your celebrity crush today? My husband's going to be really upset about this, <laughs> but it is still Jason Momoa. I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if he's baiting me. <laughs> I don't I don't care if he's just putting That's it how out. I feel about Harry Styles. I don't care if he's baiting me. I don't care. Mission accomplished. Honey, I've been baited. I've been baited. <laughs> okay? I, the hook that, is right here. That man <laughs> is very tall, and, and I like it. <laughs> I didn't know. Apparently, Justin uh, or Jason Momoa um, uh, stars in, as Nemo in Slumberland, and oh. I didn't know that was like a retelling of Adventures of Nemo in Slumberland. <laughs> Do you remember that movie? I, I that had. I'll be honest. When I'm watching a Jason Momoa, I have no idea what. <laughs> What the movie's about or what oh, well. character. I'm not watching for that, so I don't really know. Um. I, I, I'm i like that. Uh, there's definitely movies I've watched just for, you know. <laughs> the um, charisma, the unique uniqueness. Talent, yeah. Yes. My, um, for that reason, my celebrity crush today is Adam Driver because oh. um, my husband and I watched the movie Annette. I liked aspects of it. Aspects of it were very funny to me, but um, yes. what I liked the best is a mostly naked Adam Driver for most of the film. <laughs> Listen, you gotta get, we all get different things from art. It was the lure. It was the <laughs> yeah. Trojan horse. <laughs> the penis brought you there, and there were exactly. other things there as well that you there enjoyed. Was, there was a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next question for you are you spiritual? Extremely. I'm so woo-woo. Oh, yeah? Where my, where I got crystals all around my damn desk. Yes, I am. <laughs> were you Were you raised spiritual? Is this I, something you found I, in your life? I was raised Catholic. Me too. And so, I'm also spiritual woo-woo. <laughs> mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's a pipeline, I believe, from Catholicism to spirituality that I'm very much a part of. Well, when you realize that Catholicism like was the OG like um appropriator <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know appropriating yes. pagan culture yes. um, then you're like okay it makes sense that like you would then segue back to paganism if you were raised catholic but reject the church <laughs> okay can i can i get really highfalutin here i want to there's get a there, highfalutin <laughs> there's a car, there's an animated film called king and the mockingbird it's french and it's brilliant and it just came to america like 5 years ago but it was started like in the 50s and this animator Basically, like, you can see the history of animation because when he's starting, he's clearly referencing Snow White. But by the time he gets to the end of it, he's, like, referencing, like, 80s and, like, anime. And <laughs> it just took him so long to finish this movie. I cannot recommend it enough. Nobody talks about it. Nobody knows about it. King and the Mockingbird. But the point of this movie is that even in, like, the most fascist regime, art survives and it transmits the message. And that's the thing about Catholicism is that these things were appropriated <laughs> and removed from their origins, mm -hmm. but how it still transmits. And speaking of queer coded, somehow yeah. it still <laughs> transmits, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's, it was, I don't know. There's something about the, the, the theatricality of Catholicism that was inspiring even as maybe the the practicality of it let me down at a certain point that I I went out searching for somewhere else you know yeah that oh god I can't I'm not I'm not gonna add to that I could <laughs> but I won't because that was better said than and I realized I'm at the point in the podcasting world where I tell I asked my husband have I told that story before and he goes like three or four times <laughs> he listens to the episodes and I'm like oh god I need to, I need I need Joseph you gotta tell me when I when grandma starts telling the same story <laughs> anyway um next question what is your go-to karaoke song oh god raspberry beret <gasps> Raspberry Beret. 
I don't know any. <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Mm-hmm. I don't know any of the words, but I know the melody because that was on the mixtape we listened to on the way to school in the morning. Oh, that's so- <laughs> I, I love it because I can like I, my it's in my octave. Like Princess, yeah. like, he, he sings a lot lower than you think, and <laughs> you know I can get up in there. You know, especially <laughs> with a few cocktails. That's 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 the one. That and or um um. <laughs> No, I'm just going to stick with raspberry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's been absolutely just absolutely lovely, lovely talking to you. Um, I will make sure we stay connected after this. And thank you so much for coming on hijinks today. Thank you for having me. I adore you. Uh, It was wonderful getting to know about your process. And honestly, now I'm gonna. Uh, now I'm gonna go see Haunted Mansion. Yeah! Not to say, it, not to say I wasn't gonna see it before. I get but it. If I had, I if I had any reservations, let me tell you something. They I are you. quelled because because hearing you talk about it. Oh my god! If maybe everyone would see every movie. If I talk about this all the time, <laughs> you know, like we don't get to see the work that goes into something. We right. only get to see the final product and that's true for stage work that's true for filmed work and it's like it's the thing that sucks about this yeah. is like you can put a lot of work into something and if the audience doesn't receive it that's that you know that's that yep but i think everyone would see every movie if um if the director went on a podcast and spoke about the film the way you have today. I listen i love it will you if you could send that in a fax to the Walt Disney Corporation that would be wonderful you got it thank you so much have a great rest of your day thank you you too this is awesome bye bye and thank you all so much for listening to Hi, Jinx, here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi, Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram, at Jinx Monsoon Official on TikTok. I finally figured it out. or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx! M. Oh. M. Mom! To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad-free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.